beginning of January, we've been reading through the book of Mark and asking God to show us what new things God might have to tell us through this old gospel story. And this morning, we're going to be reading from Mark chapter 5. It's two stories in one. Listen now for the word of the Lord. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, for she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you? How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, when they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. The word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. God, you have promised that where two or three are gathered in your name, you are there among them. So God, we pray that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear your very presence here among us. And God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts are pleasing and acceptable to you. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, the flu hit our house this week. Don't worry, we're totally fine for public milling about now. Everyone was appropriately quarantined and kept from other people. 
James came down with it first. I went in to wake him up one morning, and he told me that his head hurt. No big deal. But then when I asked him what he wanted for breakfast, and he said he only wanted one waffle instead of his usual two, I knew something was up. And sure enough, it was the flu. He had a fever. The next morning, Sean was down for the count, and he and I agreed that our top priority was keeping it away from Sarah, because no one needs a three-year-old with the flu. So we worked all week to keep Sarah away from Sean and James, to make sure that the toys that James was playing with, Sarah didn't have access to, the food that Sarah was about to eat, her utensils, that nothing was, there was no cross-contamination in our household. And that's been, as you might imagine, easier said than done, but it seems to have worked. Of course, we've seen images of this kind of quarantine this past week in the news on a much larger scale. The coronavirus coming out of Wuhan, China is terrifying, isn't it? People who are sick and are quarantined and people who don't want to get sick wearing masks. There's a mask shortage worldwide, avoiding contact, trying to keep from catching it. The scripture lesson we read this morning tells a similar story. We find Jesus crossing back over the Sea of Galilee. The scripture says that he's just been on the other side. And you can see it here labeled as the Decapolis, the side of the Gentiles. The Decapolis were the ten Roman cities on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. It was there that Jesus met a man possessed by demons When asked how many, when asked the name of the demons, the man said, we are legion, for we are many. And Jesus heals the men by sending the demons into pigs that are there on the side of the cliffs. And the presence of pigs is a clue to us that this is not Jewish territory, because pigs were not kosher. Jesus is on the other side, among the Gentiles. And now here in verse 21, the gospel writer tells us that Jesus has crossed back over. In other words, he's back in Jewish territory now. And he's approached by Jairus. Jairus was a leader in the synagogue. Jairus Jairus has family. He has connections. He has money. He has power. But even with all of that, even with everything he has at his disposal, there's nothing he can do for his daughter who's sick. He's done everything he knows to do. And now he sees Jesus and falls at his feet, begging Jesus to come with him, to come heal his daughter. And the scripture says Jesus went with him. But they don't get very far. Jairus has a lot of things. He has connections, he has family, he has money and power, but he doesn't have time. There's a crowd though, so there's no going anywhere fast. And they are pressing in on Jesus. And as they're slowly, slowly making their way to Jairus' house, a woman 
takes her chance. She's an unnamed woman. She'd suffered from hemorrhages for 12 years. And we're on the Jewish side of the sea, remember. And Jewish purity laws would have meant that she couldn't be around other people. The bleeding made her unclean. She couldn't touch them, can't be around anyone. If she touched someone, it would make them unclean. If the crowd knew that she was there and that she was ritually unclean, they could have stoned her for breaking the law. For 12 years. It says she had endured much at the hands of doctors and had spent all that she had. She has no more money. But she hears about Jesus. And she believes that if somehow, somehow, if she can just get close enough to him, close enough to touch his clothes, she will be made well. These two individuals... Jairus and the unnamed woman, they could not have been more different. Jairus is known. We know his name. He's a leader. He has connections. He has family. He has power and money. The woman is unnamed. She has no connections. She's spent all her money. She has no family. She has no power. These two individuals are at opposite ends of the social spectrum in the Jewish world. But they have one thing in common. They are broken. They're broken. And they both know it. Jairus, despite everything that he had, despite the connections and the power and the money and the family and the leadership... He couldn't do anything to save his daughter. He was broken, and he knew it. He falls at Jesus' feet to beg him repeatedly for healing. The woman had nothing. She was a social outcast, and it had caused her to lose everything, to lose family and money. She was broken, and she knew it. She is on the ground reaching out for the hem of Jesus' cloak. They are both broken, and they both know it. And more than that, the thing that they have in common is that they know the source of their brokenness. They know exactly what it is that makes them broken. They know exactly what it is that keeps them from wholeness, from life as they know it's intended to be. Jairus and the unnamed woman are painfully, bitterly aware of the source of their brokenness. Fortunately, fortunately they meet a savior who is acquainted with brokenness. This is a savior who found men mending their broken nets and called them to follow him. This is a savior who found a man lying at the side of a pool wanting to be made well and asked him, do you want to be made well? 
This is a savior who found a woman who came to the well at the heat of the day and offered her living water. This is a savior who time and again came across people who were broken by life, by disease, by decisions, by hunger, by social conventions, by religious rules. They were broken. And Jesus makes them whole. Jesus is a savior who specializes in brokenness. Jairus and the unnamed woman are broken. And they know it. They are painfully, bitterly aware of the source of their brokenness. And they come to Jesus for wholeness. Friends, the truth is that we are all broken. Life breaks us all. Whether it's disease or decisions or heartbreak or addiction or just time, life breaks us all. But the thing that Jairus and the unnamed woman have going for them is that they know it. They know the source of their brokenness. I don't have to tell you that we live in a culture that would rather not be acquainted with its brokenness. We live in a culture that encourages you to avoid pain, seek pleasure, put on a happy face, keep on the sunny side, look on the bright side, and find the silver lining. But life breaks all of us. So I wonder, do you know your brokenness? Jairus and the unnamed woman both know their brokenness. They are painfully, bitterly aware of the ways they are not whole. But they meet a savior who specializes in brokenness. Do you know your brokenness? When I was growing up in high school youth group, there was a song we sang on Sunday nights at MYF, and it said over and over again, holiness is what I long for, holiness is what I need. And it always ended with brokenness. Brokenness is what you long for, brokenness is what you need. Brokenness is what you want from me. And in my earnest 14-year-old heart, I thought that I had to do something to manufacture that brokenness before I could come to Jesus. But that's baloney. All of us are broken. Life breaks us all. What we have to do is be in touch with that brokenness. To stop denying it, we have to be able to recognize and name it. Jairus and the unnamed woman are painfully, bitterly aware of the source of their brokenness. Do you know your brokenness? There's no doubt that brokenness is not just personal these days. Our brokenness is communal. 
Our country's elected leadership is in the middle of an impeachment proceeding that is a boondoggle. There are people around the world at this very moment without access to clean water or enough food to eat. We continue to have a chronic crisis on our southern border. And there are more than 26 active conflicts going on worldwide right now in places like Iran and Syria and Afghanistan, but also Nigeria and Thailand and Indonesia. There is brokenness all around us. But the question I asked wasn't, do you know how the world is broken? The question I asked is, do you know your brokenness? Jairus and the unnamed woman are acutely, painfully, bitterly aware of their brokenness. But they meet a savior who specializes in brokenness, and Jesus makes them whole. That's the good news here. Yes, there is brokenness. Yes, there is pain. Yes, life breaks us all. But that's not the end of the story. Jesus goes with Jairus. His power goes out and heals the woman. Jesus is a savior well acquainted with broken people. He specializes in brokenness. He is a savior who will one day himself be broken whose very body will be broken to save the world he loves. When you come for communion every Sunday morning, you don't get a whole loaf. We don't, we don't give you the whole loaf of bread. You get a broken piece of bread. Jesus is broken for us, broken people. It's broken because only in Christ's brokenness can we be made whole? Jesus is a savior who specializes in brokenness. There's a song that's sung in South African churches, and it goes like this. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to sing it with me, so look alert. <laughs> Come bring your burdens to God. Come bring your burdens to God. Come bring your burdens to God. For Jesus will never say no. In some churches, they sing that chorus every Sunday after someone shares a story of how HIV-AIDS has impacted their family. Every Sunday, they sing that. Life breaks us all. Maybe the burden you're carrying is heavy. Maybe it's not as heavy as HIV-AIDS, but maybe it's heavy. But we have a Savior who specializes in brokenness. So the question I ask you today is, do you know your brokenness? Jairus and the unnamed woman are painfully, bitterly aware of the thing that keeps them from wholeness. Do you know your brokenness? And will you come to Jesus with it? 
Let's sing together. Come bring your burdens to God. Come bring your burdens to God. Come bring your burdens to God. For Jesus will never say no.